Welcome to season four of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about iterating towards genius and how to take steps to determine what you can be truly great at doing. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Mike Zeller, author of The Genius Within, Your Natural Pathway to Impact, Fulfillment, and Wealth, and recently named uh, one of the top eight most influential speakers to follow in 2022 by USA Today. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Greg, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, my friend. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you. Um, so why don't we start by uh, giving you giving a little background on yourself and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so I've started 16 different ventures uh, in uh, real estate, fashion, automotive, marketing, coaching, and many other uh, arenas. And along the way, I started having entrepreneurs reach out to me, ask for wisdom, ask for 30 minutes of my time, ask for insights on how to navigate their challenges. And soon enough, I was uh, actually coaching and mentoring uh, guys running bigger businesses than I was, you know, guys building $100 million plus businesses. And and while I had, you know, 55 employees at my peak um, in terms of my earlier stage ventures and was doing about 30 million in revenue, these, you know, I was mentoring guys doing much bigger things than myself. And I started realizing I really, really love um, mentorship and I love helping guide people making big decisions that could affect their whole company trajectory. And But I also realized, hey, everyone's different. Everyone's got unique talents. Everyone's got a unique life experience. Everyone's got different types of key relationships and different values and passions. So I couldn't give a cookie cutter guidance or coaching for everyone. I had to give unique custom tailored insight and help them also discover their own genius and their own pathway that would most likely lead to their highest level of success. So that's how I came about the genius within. And, uh, and I've been fascinated with human potential, uh, for 22 years now. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, let's, so let's, let's dive in and uh, you alluded to some of it, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about your experience that led to, to writing your book, uh, the genius within. So over your career, you've had great success, but also, um, inevitably hit some rough patches along the way as, as we all do from time to time. Oh yeah. Um, you outlined some of the, some of both, you know, successes as well as rough patches in the book. So what is it about the rough patches in particular that helped uh, guide you and help you grow? Well, you know, they often say your messes become your message or your breakdowns become your breakthroughs. And, and we find, I, I find you learn more from your failures than your successes. And you look at other people like Sarah Blakely, you know, her dad at dinner every day used to ask her one question. Do you know this story, by the way, Greg? No, no, I don't. Yeah. So every day her dad would ask her and her brother one question. What did you fail at today? And if they didn't fail at anything, they were they had to go out and fail at something. They had to go try something. They had to go learn. They had to go grow. Because failure sets you up 
for growth. And so early on, when I learned that in my early 20s, uh, I read John Maxwell's book, Failing Forward. I was like, you know what? I got to have a little fun with failure and just and just not see it as failure, but see it as learning. And uh, so, you know, um, I just said, you know what? I'm going to just... I'm just going to learn as much as I can in the next, uh, you know, 10 years and double down. And I know some things, some things are going to flop, you know, we, we might flourish in some things and other things are going to flop. So I, I had some flops <laughs> and some things where, you know, the, the crap hit the fan and, and, uh, just everything disintegrated, but I knew, you know what, I'm going to learn through this and I'm going to come back and I'm going to do what I did in 15 years, I'm going to do what I did in 15 years. I'm going to do it in three. And that's kind of the path I've been on. And, and it's been a fun season because my my flop season was really 2018 and 2019. And now I'm on the upswing again and it feels great. That's great. That's great. And I mean, totally, I totally agree with that idea that you learn more from from failures or, or less than successes than you do from uh, sometimes you take for granted how success was uh, was achieved and, and stuff like that. Um, in in addition to some of the experiences that um, you know that that you uh, referred to, what motivated you to write the book in particular? And and you know what are what are a few things you hope readers get from it? You know what happens when s- someone goes through the whole process invariably without fail, hundred percent of the time. They walk away with the greatest clarity they've ever had about their genius because they will have accumulated the most amount of clues about their genius, their gifts, their weaknesses, their strengths, their longings, their passions, their divine whispers, the moments of breakdown that led to breakthrough. They'll have accumulated so many clues that the patterns start popping like popcorn. Like if we look at some of the greatest uh, leadership books of our time, Jim Collins, Good to Great, or Built to Last, or How the Mighty Fall, what, what does Jim Collins do? What he does is he goes and gathers the data. And he researched, he researches through the data and looks for the patterns to pop. So if you know what you're, what you're looking for, and you start seeing patterns emerge, now you can make much smarter decisions. What does uh, Jeff Bezos do every day? He has one goal. His one goal is to make two smart strategic decisions. I think he's a pretty good guy to follow. He's uh, one of the wealthiest <laughs> men in the world. So, so I realized as I've been mentoring, you know, 300 plus entrepreneurs and leaders and executives for the last uh, uh, last seven years, I was like, you know what? I got to package this up. I got to refine it. I got to make it even clearer and easier for people to understand how to find their genius because I'm obsessed with it. I think Socrates was obsessed with it. And he said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. Uh, so I, I'm obsessed with knowing myself and helping others know themselves better. So they make even smarter decisions in their personal life and in their business. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this concept of unlocking internal genius. You referred to that at the, at the top of the show. Uh, so while everyone's potential or even definition of success might be different, what are some common ways of thinking about achieving success that can help people start unlocking their potential? Mm. You know, I think first you got to start looking at, you know, looking at the moments I have people do a life and death exercise, which is where you take down a simple sheet of paper or in your notebook and you say, life at the top of one page on the other page you write death 
And then you go back and look at all the things in your life that have brought you life, especially in the last week or last 30 days. And then look at all the things that brought you death. And then also notice what is missing, like in the life category. Like if, if hey, for example, playing basketball brings me life. I love just playing a good game of hoops or uh, getting a massage, reading a book. If I haven't done those things in six months, then chances are I'm not that happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if I got, if my death list is filled, if my calendar is filled up with things that are in the death category, guess what? I'm probably going to be miserable. Like I, I was coaching a, a, one of my clients right now, uh, one-on-one clients. Um, he's CEO of a film production company, one of the most successful companies in, in his arena in the country. And when we started working together, guess what? He came in and he's like, Mike, I'm depressed. I'm battling depression. And this is a guy we met through church. He's normally a very inspired dude, very creative, creative genius. And his company just had a record year the year before in the midst of a pandemic. I was like, all right, David, let's, let's break this down. We did a life and death list. I took him through all five of the personality tests and we realized his whole calendar was seventy percent of his calendar was filled with things that he was not good at, that were not fulfilling, that he was not inspired by, and of course, two weeks later, we had stripped eighty uh, percent of those away. And guess what? He was re-inspired. He didn't even need his depression medicine anymore. He was feeling great, and he was inspired again. So, anyway, that's that's what I. If you get clarity on your life and death and your gifts, your talents, all those things, like the four main quadrants, uh, your joy factor expands, your commitment, your resolve, your ability to step into your gifting all expand in a significant way. What about that person that um, is kind of even doubting the premise of, you know, their ability to even be a genius? You know, what do you, what do you, where do you kind of start with that? And, you know, even if, even if they believe they're good at something they're you know, they don't necessarily believe they'll be great at anything. Yeah. What, you know, one of my favorite stats I learned recently is in 1968, they did a study of creativity of, of really the genius level of creativity. And they found that 98% of four and five year olds scored a genius level on the creative scale. But then 2% of NASA astronauts scored a genius level on human creativity. (laughs) And the reason is because as we, you know, especially think of typical educational institutions, what happens is, is we're, we're trained to be aware of what we're not good at. School system is like, oh, you got red marks, you got red marks, like get average at everything. Do decent at everything. Oh, you suck at math. Well, you need to get a tutor instead of, hey, you're brilliant at uh, film creation or storytelling. Why don't you get a tutor for that and double down on that? You look at peak performers and anything, you're like, man, what, the, what do they do? They don't try and get good at their their weakest points, usually. Right. They, right. they double down on what they're amazing at and manage their weaknesses. How do you coach someone to to do that. I mean, you know, you, the example of, of the, the guy that 80% of his calendar was doing things that he's not good at. I, I, I've been there myself, you know, I've been, um, in roles where, you know, I thought I would be good at it. I realized not only wasn't I not good at it, I didn't even want to be good at it. Right. You know, cause there's also a difference there of 
like sometimes there's a challenge. Um, you know, like I, for me, it was uh, public speaking. I don't consider myself a great public speaker by any means, but it was something where I was terrible at it, but I wanted to be better. And I, I believed that I could be better at it. You know, how do you, how do you know when it's something where you have the potential to be good versus, um, versus something else, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And public speaking, for example. So that is a really good one. I had a guy, um, when I was 22 years old, he pulled me aside. He was a mentor for this, uh, campus organization. I was a part of, he said, Mike, you have a real ability to connect with, uh, people, don't you? And he sent me down one-on-one. He's like, uh, and, and especially people in smaller groups, like to co- connect deeply. And I was like, I do. And he's like, but you, you kind of struggle with connecting with people on a larger scale, like in a bigger event or talking to a bigger group. I'm like, yeah, I do. I get nervous and I get my tongue, tongue gets tied, all those things. And he's like, well, when you learn how to tap into the same skill set that enables you to connect more deeply with others, and learn how to leverage that because you're, you're inherently not uh, incapable. You are fully capable of connecting with people in a larger group setting, which means you can speak and communicate, but you just haven't leveraged your raw talent in that way. And there's oftentimes mental paradigm blocks. Um, for example, I had a client, her name's Amanda. She was a big uh, Instagram influencer and massive Instagram account. She, we, we had a one day strategy session together and, uh, we start the session and, and she was moving from a YouTube fitness influencer and Instagram to like a business mentor and coach. And she's like, she breaks down in tears 20 minutes into our session. I'm like, crap, like this, uh, I got a crying girl on my hands and she's like, you know, young 22, something like that. And, and got a big brand. And I was like, Oh, what the heck am I going to do? But then I had her imagine Imagine what, uh, because she was like, Mike, I'm totally stuck on my message. I have no idea what to say anymore. I was like, all right. That, so she's in an unresourceful state, an unresourceful mental path. Her neurological pathway is not good <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, what could I do? What could I do? I went to my NLP background. I'm a master practitioner of NLP. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have her. Imagine someone that she knows that knows her message, that loves her message, that is speaks powerfully. And so I had her imagine, she said, I asked her, hey, who, who do you admire? She said, Oprah Winfrey. I was like, beautiful. So then we got in a meditative state and I subconsciously guided her into imagining what it would be like to be Oprah. How would Oprah walk? How would Oprah talk? How would Oprah show up on stage? What's it feel like to... Be, Command a room with 20,000 people and deliver your message, at least the way she imagined it, right? And then what happened is now we had gotten her out of an unresourceful state. Then I had her go back and imagine being her in that resourceful state as Oprah. Like she, and now she, and literally the next 30 days and the rest of the year, she was on fire. She got dramatically unstuck. So, I would say you, you can com- communicate and connect with people, right? You do this podcast gig all, you know, all week long, right? Right, right. So there's no reason you can't connect on stage 
and can't yeah. you just what, what what happens when you get on stage do you get a little tongue-tied or get a little nervous uh, I mean, especially at first I did. I mean, I think I've gotten over that over the years yeah. of, of doing it, but yeah, absolutely. You know, I would, as much as I prepped and prepped, uh, you know, I got in a room in front of a couple hundred people and I'd be like, I'd forget my notes and I'd, I'd be looking at the, the, the slide deck instead of actually, to your point, trying to connect with people and, and actually make an impact. So, yeah. 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 yeah and I think it's, it's just, anchoring in and finding moments you know like it's it's really creating mental anchors and then finding new neuro pathways like what i one of the things i'm doing right now is i'm uh i'm not as good of an entertainer like i need more edutainment in my social yeah. media accounts and all that right because I, I i'm smart i know my stuff whatever but i you know i gotta be funny and and all the other things well yeah, yeah who who is phenomenal as an entertainer that i like and admire deon sanders prime time who else muhammad ali so now i'm what am i doing i'm studying watching uh, muhammad ali watching like jerry seinfeld watching some of these other people and imagining myself talking and connecting and tapping into like that energy and borrowing even like napoleon hill had his like a board of advisors virtual board of advisors that he wrote about in Think and Grow Rich. He would say, oh, imagine Lincoln and Jesus and Moses and Rockefeller or whoever is at your board and they're advising you. So um, I'm in a way I'm doing that uh, to help me tap into my next level. As far as and to kind of bring back the, to bring in the agile component to this, I mean, would you agree that um, this process of growth is is iterative and, you know, how do you, how do you coach someone when, you know, they're maybe they have the perfectionist mindset and they just kind of want everything to be great all at once and, and kind of get discouraged. Like, how do you, how do you keep somebody motivated when, you know, iteration is really part of the process? I like the quote uh, by Garrett, Garrett White says at the beginning, you will suck. Eventually you'll suck a little bit less and eventually you'll suck a little bit less. Eventually you'll suck so little that you're actually good. <laughs> nice. So, and I, one of my other mantras is uh, prog progress over perfection is my obsession. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, anyway, I love to remind everybody to be obsessed with progress, not perfection. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up here. Um, you know, as a fellow author, I always like to just ask a little bit about the process of, of writing. Um, in writing your book, uh, The Genius Within, um, what did you learn throughout the, the writing process? Obviously, your, your goal was to write what you'd already learned, but you know, what did you kind of learn through the writing process and what might you do differently in, in writing a follow-up book? Yeah, good question. Uh, I mind, I liked my process. I part, partly borrowed uh, process elements of it from uh, Michael Gelb. Uh, he's written 18 books. He's a friend of mine. And he always mind maps out his book first. Uh, so I always uh, mind map out my books uh, first. Um, you know, I've already actually ended up writing three books uh, so far. I've got a few more in the works, but I've only released one. And um, then what I end up doing, mind mapping it, then talking it out, like voice recording it, then getting it transcribed with AI. 
And then soon enough, you know, I've got 40, 50, 60 pages. Um, it's imperfect, unedited, but then I've got something like the hardest part is the start. And, and, um, and then, you know, I'm not that great at finishing things. And when it gets detailed and like, I had someone doing all the citations I had, uh, all the, you know, I wasn't going to cite, cite everything like crazy. Um, and I work better with an assistant writer. Uh, frankly, I can get the first concepts out, but then I'm, I'm brilliant at the first 80% in the high level conceptualized part. And then, uh, uh, but at the last 20% are a real struggle for me. So I need someone helping me with that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting though. The, I mean, I've, I've heard of the, the mind mapping process, but, um, the, do, um, doing the voice dictation, I haven't tried that one yet. Um, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious about that. I, I do a fair amount of typing <laughs> throughout to get, you know, to get to a starting point, but, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to try that out. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty powerful, man. It unlocks, um, you know, our minds do not think Roman numeral style straight down the page. Yeah. We think all over the place. And if you can uh, learn how to tap into that uh, and tap into your creativity and allows you to organize and move things around. So, yeah, mind mapping is amazing. Nice, nice. Well, Mike, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on MikeZeller.com. Uh, you can grab a free copy of my book at GeniusWithinBook.com uh, or uh, all the social media sites. Uh, I'm at the Mike Zeller on every social media platform from TikTok to LinkedIn to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. And then uh, also I have a free uh, free six-step guide that you can grab uh, to finding your genius. And you just text the word genius, you, as in the letter U, uh, to 474747. Genius U to 474747. Nice, nice. Well, again, I'd like to thank uh, Mike Zeller, author of The Genius Within, Your Natural Pathway to Impact, Fulfillment, and Wealth, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkilstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.